chapter thirty nine of order number eleven this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org order number eleven by caroline abbott stanley chapter thirty nine forty years ago gordon lay was sitting in the low ceiled bare reception room of the state lunatic asylum in front of him was the mild-mannered sharp-eyed superintendent of that institution who always saw to the bottom of things through or over his spectacles it was his business to ask questions and he was a past master in the art when that conference came to an end gordon felt that he had been on the witness-stand many another has felt the same way but the mild-mannered gentleman's questions were always pertinent if searching and the lowliest was accorded courteous treatment a rare man was dr t r h smith the state's unfortunates could not have fallen into better hands poor lois had been taken in charge by the kind-hearted matron who had recently been installed and was so new to the business that her heart bled for every arrival and they were very frequent just now from the remotest borders of the state came pouring back the forlorn ones if anybody is in doubt of the insane asylums being the best fruit of an advanced civilization let him witness the closing of one for two years and the reopening the girl had shown no feeling at parting with gordon but hugged to her breast the doll you say you cannot certify this marriage the superintendent was saying no sir i have only the word of my friend in the letter he left me you could not get a certificate of marriage from the minister who performed the ceremony no sir not at present he left the county as everybody else did under order number eleven and i have no means of knowing where he is do you know that he is alive no sir you do not even know that colonel trevilian will receive her as his daughter no sir but yes just a moment suppose he should repudiate this marriage and declined to burden himself with the young woman's support what would you wish us to do is she then to be turned over to the county i should not wish her to be put upon the county gordon said firmly she is my dead friend's wife until she is recognized by her husband's family you may look to me for her support ah the superintendent lowered his head and looked at the young man over his glasses his face was inscrutable but gordon flushed under his gaze i hardly feel that we would be justified lieutenant lay in receiving this young woman under the name of trevilian she will be entered as miss lois chandler the change of name can be made at any time that colonel trevilian directs it and so poor lois was denied even in a lunatic asylum the poor dignity of her matron's title and her husband's name in the time that had intervened between his visit to the old neighborhood and his trip to fulton gordon had made haste to communicate with his sister and had had the cheering assurance that his mother mrs devereux and sally were safe under her roof she did not know about the trevilians on his return to kansas city he found a letter there from his mother at the close of it she said we have just found out where the trevilians are when we left them at lexington where we took the boat for st louis they expected to go to boonville and we wrote there as soon as we got to kentucky 
we could not imagine why we did not hear from them it seems that they changed their plans and went on to jefferson city where they now are gordon ground his teeth why hadn't he known this before his trip to fulton he had passed through jefferson city twice going and coming the last time he had been there a day and night his mother continued gordon virginia trevilian is the bravest girl i ever saw i don't know what we should have done without her on that fearful journey and do you know she walked all the way to lexington of course her father did too for that matter but such things are hard on a woman we went very slowly having nothing but the calves to the cart and one old worn-out army horse that sister and sally rode time about it wouldn't carry double and really i don't think it would have been able to i wanted virginia to let me walk sometimes while well, she took my place in the cart but she wouldn't hear to it i really think she felt that she must be near her father he was in a dreadful state the night keswick was burned he just seemed to give up oh my son we have lived through frightful scenes i pray god the end may come soon when i think of all we have passed through in jackson county i wonder we are not more of us in the lunatic asylum on the way down we all tried to help each other and be as cheerful as we could but it was easier for virginia and sally than for those of us who are older though miss nanny did say she caught virginia crying once just for a few minutes gordon wrote to virginia that night explaining that he had been through jefferson city but did not know they were there he did not tell her his business the next day he wrote to colonel trevilian telling beverly's sad story and his own action in regard to lois this letter took more time than the one to virginia for the story must be tenderly told he enclosed in it the one beverly had written and mailed it then he sat down to wait with such patience as he could command the stock was not large it must be admitted he was in a fever of anxiety to know how they were faring even the little glimpse his mother had given him of her made her dearer to him she was brave and his mother loved her already it would be hard to break virginia's spirit he thought with a throb of pride letters came promptly from kentucky but he looked in vain for a jefferson city postmark he went to the office three times a day though he knew the third time would be fruitless unless they had overlooked it when our friends fail us we always revile the postmaster the missouri pacific had not reached kansas city yet and the mail had to be brought from the terminus in the old way except that a citizen's guard had been added there were people in the town that he knew and he might have spent his leisure time with them but he felt no inclination for society instead he put in his time when he was off duty in tramping up and down the hills that are now kansas city in threading the ravines that later gave direction to her thoroughfares and strolling aimlessly over the call bottom checkered to-day with a labyrinth of tracks and switches and railroad yards alive with cars from the four corners of the earth and puffing locomotives that switch and snort and make night hideous with their groans and seem to be entirely out of their head it was virgin bottom then sometimes he would clamber like a goat up the bluff overlooking all this where the squatters cabins perch like swiss chalets on shelving terraces and one half expects to hear an alpine horn and see the chamois leap from cliff to cliff then wearied out with the steep climb he would sit on the brink of the precipice that is now bellevue avenue and from that unrivalled point of vantage look out upon the world and all the kingdoms of it stretched below him 
the endless plain covered with sunflowers and the great river which makes an elbow here and then flows on turbid and raging sometimes and full of fierce power slashing into fruitful farms and undermining the sycamores till at last they drop helplessly into its insatiable maw but oftener so weary and tired of it all that it has not strength or decency to cover its own bare bones which stretch out in long lines of treacherous sandbar as he sat looking at all this of what was gordon thinking of thomas benton missouri's great prophet who with packing houses and factories and grain elevators and teeming railroad stations pictured on the retina of his far-seeing eye while yet they were not had said this will be the site of a great commercial and manufacturing community some day no of john c fremont who after treading many passages and opening many doors had declared this is the key to the immense territory to the west of us not at all he was thinking of virginia and whether it was time for the mail to be in sometimes he would stroll down the levee looking at the signs many of which bore spanish and french names for the santa fe trade had been a power in western missouri and its outfitting posts had crept westward year by year from old franklin to boonville and fort osage and liberty and independence and finally to its natural place kansas city the old levee had been a busy place in those palmy days if its business life was crowded into the narrow space under the bluff it was but concentrated and made up in intensity what it lost in breadth those were the days when it was worth while to live in a river town with a great fleet of steamboats and packets and barges and flatboats and river craft of every sort gliding endlessly by the old missouri was teeming with life then palatial steamboats with gaily dressed ladies sitting on the guards and bands and calliopes playing ploughed the muddy waves and missed the sandbars when they could the names of boats and captains were as household words they vied with one another then in bed and board and people tell yet of the tables they set and how the missouri river water is the best water in the world when it has settled in the fifties the boats came in loaded to bursting from hold to hurricane deck horses and wagons cattle and mules below furniture and household goods piled high aloft and humanity sandwiched in between the west was taking on a great impetus then the wilderness was stretching out its hands and even the buffaloes were ready to be stripped when the boat came in then people went down to the landing to meet it and see the newcomers it was the great commercial mart there was drumming to be done for the hotels real estate agencies and outfitting houses it was the popular recreation to go there it took the place of golf links and football grounds yes a busy place was the levee from fifty five to sixty one the new town was the natural distributing point for kansas kansas emigrants with nasal twang and sparse belongings looked with faith to the promised land beyond the call and border ruffians glared at them from under broad-brimmed hats negro stevedores went back and forth over the gangway and emptied the steamboat's load wherever a place could be found for it and often the place was under the canopy of heaven instead of the roof of the warehouse swaggering roistering bullwhackers as the santa fe drivers were called strode up and down cracking their whips and crying to their oxen and mules in spanish french or choctaw as the case might be a busy scene indeed was the levee in the fifties but gordon found no difficulty in getting through it now the great pulsing heart seemed stricken with paralysis he went on down by the old gillis house still standing but given up to water rats it had been headquarters for the free state men in the stormy days of the border quarrel 
it had sheltered governor reeder when his life was sought and he escaped from it in the disguise of a woodcutter so says the chronicle he noticed as he looked idly around the name of f x aubrey and remembered the story he had heard from his father's lips of f x aubrey's mad ride from santa fe to independence a distance of eight hundred miles he smiled as he recalled it it seemed to be proof that what a man must do he can f x aubrey wagered ten thousand dollars that he could make it in six days and found takers he did it in five and a half then he said he could do it in four days and they bet him twenty thousand dollars he couldn't he rode into independence at the end of three days and a half they did not erect triumphal arches in those days but he had a boat named for him that was the way they sounded a great man's praises in the west business was leaving the levee before the war ten years before in fact it had outgrown these narrow limits and a few venturesome spirits had sought locations on the hills a start once made others followed and it was not long until the levee was given up to wholesale houses and shipping interests the city was creeping up the ravines which have since been named main street and market street or grand avenue as it now calls itself in the days when it was a ravine road a thoroughfare only for the santa fe trains it was content nay proud to be market street for market street had a metropolitan sound to people who picked their own wild greens and cured their own bacon and raised the corn that was to make the dumplings even in blissful hope of a market some day an avenue had not come into their wildest dreams certainly not a boulevard for they still climbed the hills from market gorge to main street ravine and thence to broadway gulch with difficulty hoping only for cross-cuts some day that would make life a little less arduous it is a pity that everybody in the country could not have had one view of this town of dogged determination when it was getting itself made it would have been a lesson to the timid builder of cities an eye-opener as to the relative importance of sight and topography strangers holding on to their breath and their scalps as they go up the steep grades of the ninth street cable or down the hair-raising descent of the viaduct leading to the union depot are wont to remark with chattering teeth that kansas city is rather hilly but to the old settler who remembers it in the days of its youthful angularities it seems now like a tennis court for smoothness in eighteen sixty three when gordon lay was restlessly threading its hollows and climbing its heights the dwellings looked down a distance of thirty or forty feet into their neighbor's chimneys the neighbor having decided to conform to the grade from these eyries one descended at imminent risk of life and limb but people who wanted to be permanent must perforce meet the grade and people who were transient of course wouldn't so there were a good many left high up in the world then if never before an enterprising young man visited this ragged city at the close of the war i went to stay he said thirty years afterward with money in my pocket to invest well i took a look around and decided it could not be done but it was if i had put my money into those hills and sat down and done nothing for the rest of my life i should have been better off in this world's goods than i am to-day after a life of hard work it would have been a good time for a young man like gordon lay to have been thinking of investments but he was not doing it he had caught sight of a squad of mounted men guarding the stage-coach he quickened his steps the mail was in he lounged around until it was open saying to himself that he knew there wouldn't be one so as to lessen his disappointment when it did not come but the letter came 
there were two of them he was not surprised at this for he had written one to virginia one to her father they were thick and promising-looking and both in virginia's writing he could not wait he stopped under a tree on his way to the barracks nobody was looking and he kissed the name her hand had penned then he tore it open he looked at the thing that fell out with eyes that refused to comprehend mechanically he tore open the other it was like it they were his own unopened letters End of chapter 39